Thank you, uh, Pastor Ellison. Yeah, as he shared, um, we, we know each other for a long time. He's actually the one that also brought me to the Vine Church. Um, but it's uh, so, yeah, it's so good to be with you this morning. Um, yeah, let me, let me start with what God has put on my heart for you all. Uh, when I was a freshman in university, uh, they announced in chapel that you could sign up for community groups. And it sounded like a good thing to me, so I signed up for one. They told us our, our group leader will be in touch and give us all the information about our group. So I got the details about our first meeting. And when I show up, there's John from my hallway that I really struggled with. Now, our personalities, they were so different. And I had difficulty listening to him and, and being patient with him. And quite frankly, loving him as a Christian brother, as my dying. Now, I, I knew right then there that God placed John in my group because he wanted me to learn to love and appreciate this brother who's made in the image of God, whom Jesus died for and gave everything for. But truth be told, I very much struggled to have patience with and love. And perhaps you have a, a John in your life right now, maybe a, a neighbor you don't like, a colleague whom you can't stand, a family member that, that drives you crazy. I, f I feel like we all have that. A, a church member that, that rubs you the wrong way or perhaps even a pastor that uh, bugs you. So someone that you struggle to love and to care for and to show God's patience and compassion to. Or maybe there are people in your sphere of influence that, that you already love, but you're very well aware that there are times where you miss the mark and you hurt and, and disappoint those you love. We all have those moments where we realize we are not as loving of a person as we hope to be. Or think of your relationship with God. There probably isn't a week that goes by where, where we love God in the way that we wish and desire to. Now this series that we are in is called Flourish. And it's all about deepening your spiritual foundation and disciplines in order for you to have a more mature relationship with Jesus. And this week we are taking a look at the ingredient of community. And in particular the idea that community is essentially our experience and exercise of love towards God and towards our neighbor. Now one of the major ways that we as Christians are, are called to grow in love, according to Jesus, is to, to love our neighbor and to love him. And that's, that's our highest calling. And, and Jesus, he, he put it this way. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we are meant to love God and reflect God's love in our relationships with those inside but also outside the Christian community. But we so often miss the mark of loving God and loving others. So today we're, we're talking about being shaped by God's love through community. And God wants to form us into more loving, less critical, and more gracious people. And so today I want to explore with you in this message how, how do we become more loving? How do we grow in this, this Christ-like love? And what role does community play in all this? 
We're going to get, get really practical today. And so towards the end of the message, I'm going to be talking about our spiritual formation toolkit, where I will share some concrete steps that you can take as you seek to grow in, in love and faith through community. So does that sound good? Great. So let's, let's turn to an episode in Jesus' life that, that will provide some answers to these questions that, that we're exploring. And we're, go we're going to be looking at a biblical account of, of Jesus being anointed for burial by a woman. And let me provide you with a little context. Jesus is in his last days before the crucifixion. Just prior to our passage, we learn that the religious leaders, they plan to kill Jesus. And right after our passage, we learn that Judas, one of Jesus' own disciples, will turn on him and aid the religious leaders in, in betraying Jesus. So the story of the woman anointing Jesus and expressing her devotion and love stands in strong contrast to the hostility that Jesus is facing at this time. So this is, the, the, this is not the typical Bible passage that, that people draw on when they talk about growing in love through community. But I believe that there's an angle from which we can look at this story that will shed some light on how we can grow in love through community. So we're in Mark chapter 14 and verse 3. It says, And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at a table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Now what we're going to do is to look at the story and see what different characters in the story teach us about how God works through community in our lives to shape us into people who reflect his love more consistent, in a more consistent way. So first there's the woman that, that anoints Jesus. She walks into Simon the leper's house where there, there are men hanging out. And she's disregarding cultural conventions by, by stepping in that space. I mean, it's quite a courageous thing to do. And there's something that moves her to do this. Uh, the one thing that is clear is that her actions of walking into the house and anointing Jesus is an act of her love and devotion to Jesus. Even though the Gospel of Mark, it, it does not tell us, uh, but, but it's safe to assume that Jesus, through this ministry, uh, deeply touched this woman's life. So in response to who Jesus is and, and what he has done, she expresses her, her love and devotion by anointing him in this beautiful and lavish way. She breaks the neck of the jar, which actually was technically not necessary, and she 
pours ointment, that ointment over him. And it was a dramatic gesture which demonstrated the woman's unreserved devotion to Jesus, holding nothing back. Whenever we respond to what God is doing in our lives with acts of love and devotion to him, it is a beautiful thing. Now, I don't know if you ever have been touched and inspired in, in your love for Jesus and neighbor by other people in your community. I certainly have. When I moved from Germany to the U.S. as a 17-year-old, it was the first time that I experienced an intentional Christian community. I, I was inspired especially by my host brother Dave's passion and love for Jesus. I mean, his love for Jesus, it awoke in me this desire. I, I wanted to know Jesus. I wanted to spend more time with him. So community is a place where our faith and love for Jesus and for others is strengthened and can even be set on fire. Seeing this love in others often makes us draw near to Jesus because we want to we know Jesus in that same way too. We want to love Jesus in that same way. So whose love for Jesus have you been touched and inspired by? Now, being inspired and touched by this woman's act of love and devotion to Jesus could have been a response by the people watching the woman anoint Jesus. Uh, but, but that's not how they respond. You, you have this beautiful act of love and devotion, and immediately you have the haters line up to hate on her. New Testament professor Tom Wright, he, he, he kind of comments on this this way. He says, it always happens when people decide to worship Jesus without inhibition, to pour out their valuables, their stories, their dancing, their music before him, just the way they feel like doing, that others looking on find the spectacle embarrassing and distasteful. Whenever there are acts of love and devotion done for Jesus, criticism often follows. Now, it's interesting because the criticism against the woman is actually couched in spiritual language. So in verse 4 and 5, it says, There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii, a lot of money, and, and given to the poor. And they scolded her. Now, it's easy to, to use pious excuses to condemn and judge other people. You know, it sounds very spiritual to talk about the money that could have been given to the poor. Talking about not wasting resources. It's, I mean, it sounds like good economics. But what is being missed in this context is what, what the woman actually sees. And it's about that Jesus is about to lay his life down at the cross for all humanity's sake. What is being missed here is the heart in giving and expressing her devotion to Jesus and, and the sacred moment of all of this is not seen. Now, what was the last time you were critical or judgmental of someone? When was the last time you spiritually judged another person's action using your language or spiritual language to, to critique their intentions? What did you fail to see when you were judging the person? Because there's always a broader context. Now, I, I love how Jesus reacts to those who, who judge the woman. He responds by, by guarding the sacred moment 
of, of love and devotion expressed to him. But he does it in such a way that it does not cut off the critics from community and relationship with him, but rather invites them to examine their hearts. Now there's four ways that Jesus guards the sacred moment. First, Jesus defends the woman and, and tells those who are scolding her, leave her alone and stop troubling her. Second, whereas the men uh, Jesus is sharing a meal with, they're criticizing the woman for anointing him. Jesus affirms what she has done as a beautiful thing done to him. And he does not let the critic's negative judgment stand, but he affirms her act of love and devotion. And third, Jesus does not just tell those judging the woman to, to stop, but he also explains what the critics have missed. Jesus exposes this, this false spirituality and lack of love when he says, for you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. So Jesus is saying that the poor are always the Christian community's responsibility and that no one is, is stopping them from giving money to the poor or, or helping them. And so it's a little too convenient to talk about others should be doing uh, for those living in poverty instead of taking actions themselves. So, so Jesus explains what the critics have missed. They have missed their own lack of action and caring for the poor. And they have missed the significance of this moment, which served as his anointing for burial before his death that Jesus was about to die on the cross. The woman did not miss the significance of this. Uh, but the critics did. And Jesus did not have to explain all of this, uh, but he chose to because he wanted to invite the critics to let go of judgment and to surrender to the love and grace of Jesus. Finally, Jesus uh, does not only defend the woman, but he celebrates her. He celebrates what she has done. She will be known, her act and devotion of love and, and, and willingness to courageously anoint Jesus will be forever memorialized and celebrated. Now, they're part of the gospel. So, so, so Jesus lets this, it does not let the sacred moment be destroyed. Instead, he makes sure that the beauty of this, this love and devotion of this woman will be remembered forever. And in fact, we are remembering it right now. Isn't that awesome? So what do the woman the critics, and Jesus teach us about how we can grow more uh, through community. First, we learn from the woman that, that a person's love and devotion to Jesus has the potential to inspire love and devotion towards Jesus and others. My host brother David's love for Jesus and, and others inspired me to grow into more of a loving person, and, and to, to love my neighbors more. Who in your community is inspiring you to love Jesus and others? Who are you inspiring with your love and devotion to Jesus? Second, living in community brings out the best and the worst in us. In the critics' case, the, the woman's extraordinary love and devotion brought out their judgment, criticalness, and lack of love. Now, Truth be told, we all to one degree or another 
judge and condemn others. And it's especially in community where a lack of love and grace surfaces. Sometimes we're, we're made aware of our lack of love uh, by, by members of the community. They might tell us that, just like Jesus did with the critics. And other times it might be the Holy Spirit convicting us. And maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now. It is these moments of a failure to love that provide an unexpected opportunity to grow in love. These moments are an opportunity for healing and, and, and growth when we come to terms with them and own them. You know, we, we think that, that we grow in love by, by working harder. I'm going to try harder, but, but that's actually not how it works. If we try to be less critical and judgmental out of our own strength, you know, we're going to fail. But instead of trying to uh, love more out of our own strength, and my question is, will you surrender to, to God's love and, and spend time with him and allow yourself to be loved by God? Take some time to, to ask God to, to give you the grace to love those whom you struggle to love. Richard Rohr, a well-known Christian author, he, he puts it like this. Most of us were taught that God would love us if and when we change. In fact, God loves you so that you can change. What empowers change, what makes you desirous of change, is the experience of love. It is the, that inherent experience of love that becomes the engine for change. You know, in Romans it says, for it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's love that, that, that is the engine of change. So surrendering to love is to come back into the arms of our Heavenly Father. He does not scold us for, for failing to love, but He welcomes you. He restores you. He embraces you. And surrendering to love is, is to receive God's love and forgiveness, His grace. It is his love and grace that, that transforms, you know, as we sit in God's presence and commune with him and just spend time with him. This is what transforms us, not our trying harder. Now, God wants to release us from, from our own efforts of conjuring up or, or manufacturing this love out of our own strength. And as a community of faith, we actually get to remind each other of our Heavenly Father's love that is so radical and unlike human love. We remind ourselves of the, the truth that, that we love not out of our own strength, but relying on God's strength and our experience of being loved by God. As Apostle John in 1 John 4.19 put it, we love because he first loved us. When we run out of love, we turn to God who never runs out of love. Our failures to love and along the way are opportunities again to surrender to Jesus who is working and, and shaping and forming us through this grace into more loving people. People that are more consistently uh, reflect his love and grace. That is what happened with me when I was in community group with John in university. Throughout a, a two-year period of time, God changed my heart and, and gave me the grace and the strength to, 
to learn to love John, who, who had such a different uh, personality from me and, and had, came from a different cultural background. And, and it was a process of surrendering to God's love and grace on a regular basis that enabled me to do so. Now, I've experienced how God has grown me spiritually through community. And right now, I want to share with you about this week's Spiritual Formation Toolkit, Live in Community. So like, like we've seen in, in the first two weeks, uh, the, the community, community toolkit is, is broken into action steps and going deeper. Let me just highlight a few things in each to give you a sense of what is in this week's tool. So for action steps, we have a, a document that's called Why Invest Yourself in Christian Community. We also have a link to our, our sermon series, A Call to Community, uh, that, that can help you to understand the, the importance of Christian community. So maybe you have questions around that. Uh, that's a good place to start. We also have a, a link to our community group map where you can explore groups and sign up for them and join them. And just as a reminder, some of the, the pins on the map, they actually have multiple groups. So make sure you, you scroll uh, on them and, and see if there's other groups there. Also, if, if you want to start a group in, in your school, work, or a parents group, or, or maybe in your home, you can email us at cgatthevine.org.hk. You know, we want to explore that possibility with you and then support you uh, to get, get those communities started. For, for going deeper, we have a workshop on how you can become a river connector who helps other people connect to community. So you can check out the, the QR code and, and, and find out more information there. And it's, if, if bringing people together brings you joy, I want to encourage you to sign up for this practical workshop on how you can use your gift to connect people to various expressions of community here at the Vine. So this workshop is happening on the 11th of March, 8 to 9 p.m. So check that out if that's for you. We, we also suggest resources for those of you who want to go deeper into community, maybe with a friend or, or a group of people. And I'm just going to highlight one of those resources. Um, it's by the author James Brian Smith, and he's written a beautiful trilogy that's called The Good and Beautiful God, The Good and Beautiful Life, and The Good and Beautiful Community. Each book has a, a small group discussion guide in the back of the book and has practical exercises on, on how you can grow in your relationship with God, how you can become more Christ-like person, and how you can grow in, in loving your neighbor. So I want to encourage you, take a look at the Spiritual Formation Toolkit, Live in Community, and invest in your own and other spiritual growth by, by taking one suggested step, and then just see what God does. You know, how he works through that as you take that step. So as I draw today to a close, I, I want to leave you with a personal story that I believe illustrates how Jesus modeled love and grace to both the woman that anointed him, but also her critics. Often God makes his love tangible to us through community so that we can experience it and receive it. In 2017, I went through the toughest time of my life. Loss of relationship, loss of work, and loss of my home. And when this happened, it really made me question God's love for me. And in my brokenness and shame and, and loss, I wondered if God still loved me. 
and, and the signs, they seemed to point in another direction. But it was through community that God showed me his love. It was the people around me that made God's love believable and tangible in my life. Let me tell you about Akbar, Regina, and Kailani, their daughter. When I had seemingly lost everything, they took me into their home. They did not just give me a room to sleep in, but they welcomed me into their family. And when I had a loss of family, they were family for me. Now, Regina, she was highly pregnant during that time. And when it came close to, to giving birth, I asked her, are, are you sure you want me to stay here during that time? And she assured me that they wanted me there. Now, I was a mess. Tears were frequent. I, I didn't even know how I could possibly move forward with my life. I, I, I didn't know what to do. But in the midst of all of that, they showed me hints of God's unconditional love by welcoming me to be part of their family. It's this family, my community, that made God's love tangible for me in a season where I had every reason to doubt God's love. And they contributed in a major way to God healing deep wounds and hurts in my life. And I honestly don't know where I would be today without them. When I moved to Hong Kong in, in 2018 and, and, and moved out of their house, it was the first time in my life that I cried when I said goodbye to someone. I usually don't do that, even though I'm crying right now. <laughs> but I, I, I know why I cried. It was because their love was a reflection of God's stuff for me. And, and God is fiercely in love with you. And he wants you to know that. And he, he uses community to show you that. And I, I have a sense that, that some of you, the, the Holy Spirit is nudging to take the step of, of joining a community. Don't wait any longer. Just do it. Let God work through community in your life. But there's also a sense that some of you are called, like Akbar and Regina, to be community to others and to let God's love and grace flow through you to people who are struggling to believe God's love right now. You know, and the awesome thing about that is you can do that anywhere. It doesn't have to be in a traditional small group. You can do that in a uh, in your workplace, you can be community for people. You can be community for people in your family, your extended family. You can be community for people uh, in your neighborhood. Will you step into community and be known? Will you be community for others so that they might know God's unconditional love through you? Let me pray for us. Jesus, I, I thank you so much um, that, that you call us into community and that, that you want us to, to give us a community where, where we can experience just your love. And sometimes we're the ones uh, that, that make that love tangible to others and sometimes we're the ones who need that love uh, made tangible to us. And so I just ask, Lord, that you know everyone who's watching and, and, and what they need. Will you just speak to them right now and, and just show them what, what you're asking them to do? Whether it's just a big community for others or, or take that step
of, of stepping into community. Now, I also pray, Lord, that you will make your love tangible to them. Those who are right now are struggling and doubting God's love for them or even wonder if you are even there. I pray that you will show them uh, your love through us, the Vine family, um, that we can be community for others. And I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen.